morning. Good to see you this morning. My name is Josh, and uh, one of the pastors here, and uh, just excited to be with you. You know, um, it's great to be with you all here at Wawasee High School, and I love you all. Love our church. Really grateful for it. Uh, Same with all of you who are joining us online. Really glad you can be with us today, too. And, uh, you know, we've got one more Sunday here after today at the school, and then we'll be, Lord willing, we'll be back at the church with a new parking lot with no, no lines yet, though, so it's going to be a free-for-all, so that's going to be an exciting morning. So watch out for one another. Uh, but it'll be exciting. We'll be back to two services on that morning on the 31st, and, uh, but for this time, it's just kind of a sweet time for us to be able to gather as one big group and a lot of fun. Well, hey, uh, this morning, as we begin, I want to introduce you to a gal by the name of Sarah Cummins. Sarah was a grad student at Purdue University, and she was a bride-to-be. She was engaged to be married. And, and she was so excited about her dream wedding. Uh, she and her fiancé had planned just the most extravagant of weddings, And finally, it had arrived. It was the week of the wedding, the very week, just days from it, when their relationship ended. And the wedding had to be called off. Uh, Sarah doesn't tell us the cause of what happened, and it's none of our business anyway. But uh, can you imagine, she does reveal just how brokenhearted she was from all of this and how absolutely devastated she was having to call off her wedding days before it was to take place. I mean, it was a nightmare. Can you imagine having to call 170 guests and say, uh, hey, about the wedding this weekend? Yeah, it's not happening. And then to call the pastor and tell him, hey, you, you got the weekend off. And then to call the reception hall and talk to them and tell them what had happened only to hear from them, uh, sorry, you know, we're really sorry about this, but you're outside the window. There's a strict no refund policy. Well, that just added more and more devastation onto what she was already dealing with. The thought of losing all that food and all that money. See, her and her fiance had planned an extravagant, extravagant reception over $30,000 for it. It came out to over $100 a plate. And uh, she was devastated, but then she had an idea. You know, maybe you even saw this in the news four or five years ago. It happened in Carmel, Indiana. And uh, Sarah called the banquet hall back, and she said, "Um, hey, good news, the, the reception is still on. And they said, oh, gr- great. We're glad you were able to reconcile. She said, oh no, the wedding's off, but the reception's on. I'm bringing 170 of my friends and we're gonna have a party. And so after she got off the phone, Sarah then called a homeless shelter and explained to the director of the homeless shelter what she wanted to do. And he said, that's a great idea. He called her back and he's like, oh, we got 25 people who can come. So she called the next one and the next one, and some didn't quite believe her. They're like, can you explain this to me again? Because I don't think they're going to believe this offer when we share it with them. And she said, well, there's no strings, there's no catch, it's absolutely free. Uh, There'll be gourmet food, wine, dessert, appetizers. It's going to be extraordinary. And for some, it took some convincing. But finally, on that day, there were 170 who came in attendance 
And there was incredible, incredible joy on their faces. They may have come in a little sheepishly, not sure that they really fit into this place, but then they ate like some of them had never eaten before in their lives. And then the music played, and there was dancing, and there was a huge celebration. Isn't that an incredible story? Well, part of what makes it so incredible is that Jesus told this story centuries before Sarah ever got to live it. Um, In fact, uh, listen to one man who was invited to this party. His name is Charlie. Today I was thinking in the Bible says that the, uh, the master planned this party and he sent him out, his servant, to go get the people to come in and they didn't want to come. So he said, go get the people on the byways and, and have them come in and share the supper. And I think that and that's what hit my head. She could have done anything, but she went and asked those that are on the byways and the highways to come in. That's a blessing, you know. That's a blessing, he said there at the end. What an incredible, incredible story. Well, it's the, it's the story we're gonna look at this morning that Jesus tells, a parable he tells, with the intention, not just to tell a good story and make our hearts feel warm and fuzzy, but for us to do something. So let me pray, and then we're gonna dive into the text. Father, thanks for Jesus, and Lord, thank you uh, just for your great grace and compassion toward us, your invitation to us. Lord, I thank you too for the example of Sarah and her generosity there um, after uh, just a devastating time in her own life. We pray you'd you'd bless her wherever she is today. And Father, um, I pray too, by your spirit, you'd teach me and teach us and and that you do that through me today, Lord, that we would leave uh, encouraged to live the life you called us to. To, to, to truly be sent to love people and invite them to follow you with us. Father, thanks for Jesus. We pray all this through him. Amen. Well, uh, friends, if you don't know, in the end, God's throwing a party. And everyone has been invited to his party. Everyone has been invited to his party. Including you. Did you know that? If... Uh, You might even cross that out if you got your message notes instead of everyone, cross out everyone and write you or write your name. You've been invited to his party. And uh, it's a party, it's at a party by the way that Jesus even tells this parable and this story of a party. Uh, Let's look at it here in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14 starting in verse 12. uh, Luke writes, he, Jesus, said also to the man who had invited him, I'm gonna stop there just for a second to to let you know there's some things that had already happened before Jesus tells this parable. And they're they're helpful to understand as we get into it. Uh, Just a couple things worth mentioning. First off, if you go back to the beginning of chapter 14 in Luke, you you read in verse one that, that Jesus on a Sabbath day, he went to dine at the house of one of the Pharisees. He was invited by one of the religious rulers to go over to his house for a meal and, and meals in that day were important things. They were, they were uh, times of, of social standing and of, uh, of, of hobnobbing with people, so to speak, but you, you gained social credibility by going to, to meetings, especially being invited 
by somebody like a Pharisee, who are a ruler even of the Pharisees. And what we read as we go through the text, you read that there was a man there who, uh, two things. One, there was a man, first off, probably on their way in to the meal, who, who was uh, sick with what the Bible calls dropsy. Now dropsy is not just like when you drop stuff. Dropsy, uh, Luke, remember Luke is a doctor, he's using a medical term from that day. And, and what it really referred to was just, as an old medical term, uh, excessive accumulation of fluid anywhere in the body. So it could be in, in his legs, in his feet, in his arms, uh, in his, around his midsection, wherever that is, he just had some excessive accumulation of fluid. There's a lot of other terms we'd use for those things today, and, but there's a lot of causes of it, right? I mean, it could be your heart, it could be something in your stomach or digestive system, who knows? But in any case, uh, this guy was, was not doing well. And uh, Jesus then, he, he turns to the lawyers, the Pharisees who are with him, and he asks them, he says, hey, uh, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Because it was a Sabbath day, it was a day of rest. And the Pharisees had these rules that they had put in place and they were fairly extreme, and uh, including you can't do any work on this day, but they took it way to the extreme. And so Jesus said, is it, is it okay for me to heal him? Well, none of them replied. They remained silent. They knew they couldn't win. By this point, they knew they couldn't win an argument with Jesus, so they just kept their mouths shut. And then he took him, and he healed him, and he sent him away. So there's the first thing we see. Jesus heals this man with, with dropsy, which I think would have been a cool healing to see because uh, from being like all swollen to just whoosh, back to normal. Wouldn't that be cool? And uh, then Jesus turns to them and he said, hey, which one of you, because he knew their hearts that they didn't think he should be doing this. But he said, which of you, if you had a son or an ox that had fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, you, you'd rescue them, wouldn't you? Uh, Jesus said in another place in, in Mark that uh, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Uh, in, in other words, that uh, it's not there for you to follow the rules. It's actually for your benefit just to take a break sometimes, but... Through all these things, they, they didn't say a thing. They just couldn't reply. They had no response to Jesus. You know, and it's curious too, even in our own world, how sometimes people, if they're really self-righteous about something, when you kind of challenge that self-righteousness with just a really gentle question, they either become super defensive or super silent, don't they? Because they want to defend that self-righteousness. Keep that in mind as we head into the parable. And then the second thing to keep in mind the second thing that happened leading up to this is that Jesus told a parable to everyone when he noticed where all the Pharisees chose to sit that day. And basically he says, hey, don't sit in the place of honor because then if somebody more honorable comes in and uh, the, you're gonna be shamed when the, uh, the, the master of the ceremony says, hey, you need to move, you're in the wrong spot. Instead, choose the lowest spot. And then if he comes in and he wants you to move up, you'll be honored in front of everybody and, and move you up. And he closes by saying, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So Jesus sets up this idea, we need to be humble to know our place before God and before other people. And so it just leaves us with two questions before we even get into the text today to be in the front of your mind. One, um, are you maybe kind of like the Pharisees just refusing to believe Jesus being in control and in charge? Or are you uh, refusing humility, maybe, in the same way that they refused humility? Both will be addressed in what Jesus says next. He said to them, 
He said also to the man who had invited him, hey, when, when you give a dinner or a banquet, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, uh, lest they also invite you in return and you get repaid. But when you give a feast, Jesus says, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and, and then you'll be blessed because they can't repay you. You'll be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Uh, Jesus' point here is simply that when we give and when we bless others with our lives and with our resources, don't expect anybody to repay you. That, that, that you're blessed when you do that, not when you think, oh, if I do this, they're gonna like me more, or if I do this, then they're gonna repay me and do that for me. Jesus says, no, the, the way you really get blessed by giving is when you give with no expectation in return, which is a challenge, I think, probably for all of us at some level. Well, um, when one of the people with him heard this, who reclined at table with Jesus, heard these things, he said to him, hey, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And he was referring to a great reception that was promised in the Old Testament at the end of time. He says in verse 15, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God, thinking, yeah, and that's gonna be a good day, you know, because I can't wait to get there. And Jesus, you're right, yep, you're right on. You know, just be humble and, and go to that, that feast. It'll be great. Um, but then Jesus kind of goes after his preconceived notions. But before he does, let me just show you this. The, the feast that he mentions in the kingdom of God is promised in both the Old Testament and the New. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah, we read this, that on Mount Zion, the Lord who rules over all will prepare a feast for all the nations. The best and richest foods, the finest aged wines will be served. The ESV version of this says uh, the meat with all the marrow. So like all the, like it's all Kobe beef. It's gonna be awesome. You know, just really marbleized. And, and on, that, on that mountain, the Lord will destroy the veil of sadness that covers all the nations. Man, that will be a good day. He will destroy the gloom that is spread over everyone. Did you come in today maybe with a little gloom? Some things hurting? Some sorrow? On that day, Jesus is just gonna get rid of all of it. He's gonna swallow it all up. He will swallow up death even forever. The Lord and King will wipe away the tears from everyone's face. He'll remove the shame of his people from the whole earth. The Lord has spoken. At that time, they'll say, he is our God. We trusted in him, and he saved us. And friends, if you've trusted in him, you, you'll say that on that day, and it'll be a great day. He is the Lord. We trusted him. Let us be filled with joy because he saved us. For, for everyone who's put their faith in Christ, this is going to be a good day. And that's why this guy in verse 15, as, as he goes, he says, uh, you know, blessed is everyone then who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong. The problem is, he had these preconceived notions that he was for sure going to be at that feast. <laughs> and, uh, but what Jesus is about to launch into next actually reveals that this man may have more likely been part of the following verses, Isaiah writes, of what happens to those who haven't trusted Christ. Uh, the Lord's powerful hand will keep Mount Zion safe but he will, in other words, his people, but he will walk all over Moab, his enemies. 
its people will be crushed, just as straw is crushed in animal waste. They'll even try to swim their way out of it. They'll spread their hands out in it, just like a swimmer spreads his hands out to swim. But God will bring down Moab's pride. None of their skill will help them. He will put down their high, strong walls. He will bring them down to the ground. He'll bring them right down to the dust. Friends, any religious credentials you think you've maybe earned or good works you think you've done like this guy had, assuming that somehow that's going to get you into the banquet, it doesn't work that way. The, the banquet was given, invitations were given because there was no fee to get in. It was, it was a free banquet. You, you just needed to come. You just needed to respond. In, in other words, it's, it's all grace. It's nothing any of us deserve. And, and Revelation 19, which also speaks of this banquet at the end, uh, points out the fact that it's all grace. In Revelation, we read, let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come. And his bride, meaning the church, has made herself ready. But notice this, it was granted her to wear white. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. It was all grace, it was all gift. And so if you want to get to the banquet, I know I keep talking about food, that's not helping, is it? <laughs> if you want to get to the banquet, you need to just trust in God's grace. You can't earn your way there. You'll end up on the outside looking in. So uh, with all of that in mind, here's the parable Jesus tells, which we've already heard in a couple different ways this morning. He said to them, a man once gave a great banquet and he invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything's now ready. Now, one of the things when you're having a banquet in that day was customary to actually send two invitations. You'd send out one uh, that actually uh, told people that, hey, I'm gonna have a party and I'd like you to come. It was kind of the save the date, right? It was the save the date for the wedding. And then later in the mail, you would get the full invitation and you'd have to RSVP and all that good stuff. So it's not unlike that today. Except in that day when there were no telephones, you know, no way to text somebody or email them and let them know the exact date. It was just, hey, can you come? Great, we'll let you know when it's gonna happen. And then when everything was ready for the feast, the, the second invitation would go out and they'd say, hey, now's the time, let's go, let's go do it. You know, in a certain sense, for the banquet that Jesus is preparing for us in the end, the initial save the date, the initial invitation has been put out. Hey, would you come? You're invited. We'd love for you to come. I would love for you to be a part of this for all eternity. And there's coming a time when Jesus returns and he's gonna be at the door and he's gonna be like, hey, the time's now. Have you responded yet? And it's gonna come suddenly. And I'd encourage you to respond. Well, everyone was invited to this party, but the problem was at this second invite, everyone began to make excuses. See, look at verse 18. They all alike began to make excuses. See, uh, everyone's invited to God's party, but many make excuses not to come. Many do. Uh, everybody said, no, no one had said, I, I can't make it that day. But now suddenly, at the last minute, they canceled. Do you ever have that happen to you? Do you ever make plans? 
And you've got a bunch of food ready and you're having a bunch of people over. Maybe it's your life group or something like that, right? And then at the last minute, suddenly everybody's got an excuse why they can't be there. Does that ever make you irritated? A little bit hurt? A little bit angry? Yeah. Well, it's, it's no different with this guy. Let's, let's see his response, but let's also see the excuses. And let me just say on the top, the, the pretty lame excuses they all throw out. They all began to make excuses, and the first one had to deal with his future plans, you might say. The first said to him, well, I've I bought a field. I've made an investment, spent a lot of money. It's really important to my, maybe his career, his job, his well-being, everything. It's, it's really important, and so I've got to go take care of that and see it. So please excuse me. As if this guy who was making this huge investment in a field hadn't uh, considered that for days, weeks, if not months or years prior to this time. And yet suddenly at the last minute, that's his excuse. What is it for, for you? Maybe it's your future plans. I don't know that I really want to give my life to Christ and follow him. I've got plans. I want to do this, this, this. I don't know that I can give myself really to fully serve in ministry or to fully commit myself to living for him because I, I, have, I have this, 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 and this in front of me. And that would really interfere with my plans. Sometimes our own designs for our career or whatever else leave God out. But let's look at the next one. The next one really has to deal with stuff, with possessions. Another one of uh, the people invited, when he was invited at the second invitation, he said, well, I've bought five oxen and I need to go examine them, so please let me be excused. Now some of you, you're like, I I'm not buying any oxen. I don't get it, Josh. What's this one about? Well, uh, okay, but what about, what else do you use for travel or for work? How about a vehicle? How about uh, some other possession? Uh, in a materialistic society like we live in, it's so easy to get caught up in just the accumulation of stuff. And sometimes we can let our stuff and our desire for stuff get in the way of following Christ or even coming to him to begin with. Is that an excuse maybe you have sometime? You know, five yoke of oxen uh, would have been required to work a farm of well over 100 acres, a substantial property in that time, um, when most people would farm maybe three to six acres per adult. It was a huge farm. This guy had incredible wealth. Surely he could have sent somebody else to check it out. He probably had people who worked for him, but he threw out an excuse, didn't he? I wonder, what's yours? What's yours? How about the third one? This is more of a relationship excuse. And this one kind of cracks me up because this guy goes, well, I've married a wife and therefore I can't come. <laughs> like, did you go to Vegas and you didn't know this was coming? What happened here, right? Maybe the master should have sent the invite. I know it, ladies, I know what you're thinking. He should have sent the invite to his bride, not him. And then she could have told him, nope, you're busy that day. Like he didn't know. And he just declined last minute. You know, sometimes relationships get in the way of us following Christ, don't they? I don't want to offend this person. I don't want to hurt that person whom I love and care about. Um, and, and it's good to be concerned for people. But Jesus says at some point, you've, you've got to choose me. You've got to choose me. 
and in reality, what's happening here, because an invitation to a meal like this was such a big deal socially, when all of these people who are also very well-to-do refused the invite of this guy, do you know what they were doing? They were basically insulting him, kind of spitting in his face, saying, nah, no thanks. I mean, it would have shamed him publicly. Their future plans, their stuff, their relationships all getting in the way. What's your excuse? What is it for you? Where is it God's calling you to serve, to be involved, to go? Is he calling you just to simply trust him for the very first time, but you're like, no, here's my excuse. What's yours? You know, in in Jesus' story, many people turned down an invitation because the timing was just inconvenient. And, And we can do the same. But you need to know, friends, God's invitation to you, it's the most important invitation you'll ever receive. It is. No matter how inconvenient it might seem at the time, the payoff in the end to be at that banquet for eternity. Paul says no one has ever dreamt or even imagined all the good things God has in store for those who come to him, who love him. Jesus isn't calling you to join a labor camp. He's inviting you to a party. What's your excuse? Well, uh, here's the deal. Those who do come are greatly rewarded. They're greatly rewarded. And then they're sent to invite others. See, there's reward. Jesus said, you know, in, in the lead up into this parable where he said, don't invite those who can repay you back, invite those who can't. And then you'll be rewarded in the end by God. And, and God gives good prizes. No offense to Wanda's here, but gods are awesome, like over the top. And, uh, and friend, he loves you and he longs to give you good things as a good dad, but you've got to come to him. And then they're sent to invite others. Let's just look at the close of this parable and then we'll come back to this thought. So the servant came and he reported these things to his master, all the excuses everybody had. And the master of the house became angry. And he said to his servant, well, fine, then look, listen, go out quickly. Go out to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor. Bring in the crippled. Bring in the blind. Bring in the lame. Bring them in. Clearly the people who I invited, they don't care. And this would have, by the way, for the Pharisees to hear this, uh, in, in the context of the way they understood banquets and parties like this that people would host, this would have been unfathomable for somebody wealthy enough to throw a banquet like this to go out and invite all the outcasts, all the people who maybe don't deserve it, who didn't have the credentials to be there. Friends, your credentials don't matter. You need Jesus. And you need to respond simply to his invitation. Verse uh, 22, the servant said, uh, sir, what you commanded has been done, but there's still more room. We haven't filled it up yet. So then the master said to him, well, fine, then go out to the highways, to the hedges, the byways, go everywhere and compel people to come in so that my house can be filled. I think it's curious there, compel people. 
You know, the story of, of Sarah Cummins that I shared earlier, for, for some of the places, it, it took a little convincing to get people to actually come to this because really, you want me to go? I don't deserve to be there. You know, oftentimes, those who are far from God have this idea in their head that because they're far from God, God is far from them. And so there's, there's no coming to him unless they get themselves cleaned up first. But the gospel is the entire opposite of that. You know, I, I grew up in a, in a church growing up, learned a lot about God, and one of the defining characteristics I remember as I think about growing up in that church was that on Sunday morning, we always dressed up, and you always dressed your best, right? And, and the reason was to honor God, which is a noble thing, it's a good thing. But you know what it subtly communicated? Is that if you really want to come to God, you better clean yourself up first. But that's not how it works. God wants you to come to him and then he cleans you up. That's the only way it works. And if you need to be compelled, then be compelled by his love and by his kindness. Friend, he loves you just as you are. He knows your every thought. He knows what's on your mind right now. He, he knows the things and the hesitations and the excuses you're coming up with. And he loves you and longs for you simply to come to him. And, and Jesus said uh, this parable, so go out, compel people to come in so my house can be filled. He goes, for I tell you, none of the men who were invited shall taste my banquet. In other words, those who don't simply come. You can, you can get the meaning of this parable pretty clearly, can't you? God's throwing a party and you've been invited, but sometimes we've got excuses why we don't want to trust Christ. Well, listen, he's invited you and you might think you're, you're either too good to come or you might think you're too low to come, but in any case, you're just called to come and he'll reward you. And for those of you who have come, he's got a mission then for you and a calling on your life. And that's, there's still room. Like the servant said, hey, I did what you said, but there's still room. Well, then God says, hey, go out and invite more people. Do you remember uh, about a year ago, and we've done this a few times actually, a little series we did on evangelism called Pearl. Anybody remember that last fall? And uh, we use this acronym of, of PEARL. Evangelism, by the way, is simply, it sounds like a churchy term, it kind of is. It, it really just means helping people find God. Helping people find and follow God. That's what it's about. And you know, most of the world wanders not knowing their maker. They're disconnected from the God who loves them. And, and so they, they try to find that love and that hope and that peace and so many other things that always leave them empty. But as those who've been invited to the banquet and get to go, God says, hey, do you have, any, do you have anybody else? Invite your friends. Go out and invite them. Bring them along. And so we did this series on evangelism talking about uh, find, helping people find God and gave you this kind of helpful acronym called PEARL and it was based off of a short passage in Matthew where Jesus said again, uh, another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding just one of great value, he went and he sold everything he had and bought that field. 
it was, it was it, so really when you're helping people find God, you're helping them find the most valuable thing in all of eternity. Well, it was a friend of mine at another church in Chicago at the Compass Church who, who developed this acronym and uh, he and uh, the Compass Church have generously shared it with us and we've been using it for three or four years now, but do you remember what it stands for? This, just, this is just a method of how you can be somebody who's sent out to invite and compel people to come follow Christ with you. The, the first thing might be the most important. You need to pray. You need to pray. Pray for the people who are in your path who need to know the Lord. Uh, pray that, that God would open up an opportunity for you to invite them to the party. And then uh, this is something, by the way, I think every one of us can do. If you ever feel like, I don't have the gift of evangelism, I can't do that, I can't share my faith, I bet you can do these things. You can pray, can't you? How about this, can you eat? I bet you're gonna eat today, <laughs> yeah, you can eat, right? Eat with them. Isn't it curious that Jesus tells the story of a banquet and a party at a banquet and a party? Because it was a relational time, it was an easy time to tell stories and interact with people. Go out to lunch, have them over for dinner. In other words, befriend them. But there's something unique in the way that God designed us. By the way, Jesus is like always eating. He's either coming from a meal, at a meal, or going to a meal, all throughout the Gospels. That seems to be like the only thing he does, because he's with people when he does that. Uh, and then A, ask them some questions. Truly befriend them, don't lead with, Hey, come over for dinner. By the way, can I share the four spiritual laws with you? <laughs> That's not helpful. Like, get to know them, actually, and, and genuinely do it. Do you ever know when somebody is just like, they're kind of getting to know you to kind of use you, you feel like a project to them? So do your friends. Befriend them, invite them, get to know them, get to know their life. And then when God gives you opportunity, and, and trust me, if you've been praying, this will happen, and you'll find yourself going, oh, here we go. You might anyway. Reveal your story. Tell them about what God's done for you. Reveal it to them. And, and reveal God's story. And this might happen once, I don't know, or this might happen multiple times over the course of days or weeks or months or years even. But reveal your story. And then finally, the L, you need to love them tangibly through it all. Friends, we're sent to love. We're sent to love. You know, uh, John 3.16 tells us that God so what the world, what is it? Loved. That he did what? That he sent his son. Yeah, he gave his son. And Jesus says, in the same way that I was sent, I'm sending you in John 17. How? In love. Friends, uh, pray for them. Eat, ask, reveal love. I, I think all of us can do any of those things. Because we are, we're, we're sent to love people. And invite them to the party. Invite them to follow Jesus with us. Church isn't just about showing up, learning cool stuff, singing good songs, feeling good about life and God's love for us. It's also about going out and sharing it with other people. So uh, as we wrap up, a, a couple things. Um, 
during that pearl series, we handed out these little pearls that you could keep in your pocket just to remind you to pray for somebody. We've got uh, extras of these on your way out the door this morning. They're going to be handing those out. If you want one, if you already got one, don't need one, no big deal, but you can grab one of those. And then also there's even these little, little cards. Uh, we used these on the Engage Day. On the one side, it just says you are loved. On the back, it says you're loved by Jesus, you're loved by us, and has our website. You might just maybe carry some of those with you and it'd be an opportunity to invite somebody to church or invite them over for dinner or leave it with a tip, whatever that, make sure it's a good tip if you leave it with a tip. And uh, just what are some tangible ways you can love people? Friends, you're sent to love. So with that, let me pray. And uh, we're gonna sing again and call to morning and uh, head out and see who we can invite and compelled to come to the party.